it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space, slopes a tackle, and there he goes! Crowder! It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff, From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are going to talk a little bit about the film from Jets-Eagles and some keys to the game between the Jets and the New Orleans Saints tomorrow at MetLife Stadium with the Thunder from down under, Mr. Luke Grant. Luke, what's up, brother? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Zach played well above his previous performances last week. Another home game. Hopefully it's not a blowout. We can be competitive, and that's really all I want to see. I don't care about the defense. I don't care about really the results. I just want to see the Jets be competitive in ball games. Zach Wilson play well, and if people say it's a loser mindset, that's fine, but that's what's more important to me right now. No question. I think that's got to be top priority for any Jets fan at this point, and I want to start with Zach Wilson since you did a 12-minute film breakdown of him on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. If you haven't watched it yet, go ahead, check it out. Subscribe to the channel as well. Before we get into specifics of his throws and different things like that, I want to talk about his poise and his confidence back there. He was very proficient, much more proficient than he had been in any other game. This is also the first game where he started off well. If you remember that Titans game where he played really well, He got off to a slow start. It wasn't until the second half that he really started to get cooking. Same thing in that loss to the Panthers where he had a nice second half, but the first half he didn't look so good. This was the first game where he came out and played well from the jump. Tell me about what you saw from him in terms of his confidence, his poise, and just the way that he had command of the offense. 
I think command is a perfect word, Scott. He looked more uh, poised and comfortable in the pocket than we've seen. And that's because I think he was on time. Mike LaFleur talked about how it was so important for Zach to be in sync with his feet and his eyes. And he was rushing through his dropbacks the previous weeks and in practice. And he was getting to his reads early. Therefore, they weren't open. And then he was starting to panic and drop his eyes. And that was concerning. What we saw was Zach be on time, in rhythm, and the offense flowed. And you saw him be more accurate. And he was 12 for 14 in the first half. He played a near perfect half of football. He dirted one of those incompletions. So realistically, realistically looking at 12 for 13, he took strides and progressed in the biggest areas you want to see for a young quarterback. And that's mentally, and that's with poise and with comfortability in the pocket. And that was fantastic to see. So that was my, my biggest general takeaway before getting into specifics. Luke, I wanted to talk about specifics now since we got into his poise and his control and his command. I want to talk about the different plays now. Let's discuss the way that he threw the football. I thought he looked really, really good. He didn't have any of the wow throws that he had against Tennessee. Those were just the types of throws that very few quarterbacks can make. But these were the types of throws that you still need to be a good quarterback in the NFL to make consistently. And he did that in this game against the Eagles. Now, some will say that he slowed down in the second half. No question about that. But it's hard not to slow down when you have the ball for 70 seconds in the third quarter total. So there was only so much Zach Wilson could do there in the second half. Tell me about what you saw from the specific plays here and the throws that he made. I thought that the most encouraging part of this not only was the quick decision-making, but also really seeming to get in sync with Elijah Moore. Yeah, most definitely. And I think it was it was a combination of better accuracy on his throws, which comes from being calm and being on time. But then it was also understanding the defense and what he needed to do. So I'll give you an example. I think it was the touchdown to Ryan Griffin. Prior to that, to get down in the red zone, the Eagles were on man coverage. In man coverage, the Jets sent Jamison Crowder in motion and pre-snap, he identified it was man coverage. So he knew straight away, Jamison Crowder is where I want to go with the football. But when he took the snap, they were in cover one man with a rubber underneath the linebacker. He stared straight at the linebacker. He did not take his eyes anywhere near Jamison Crowder because he wanted to make sure that linebacker did not leave his spot in the middle of the field and enter the passing lane. Then when it was time and he's dropped back and his feet and his eyes were synced, he threw, turned his head, hit Jamison Crowder in stride, and it was a perfect throw for 13, 14 yards, and it put them down to the Jets' six. They end up scoring off the back of that on fourth down. So that was one example that I loved. Another one was an incompletion, and I always get a ton of stick when I praise incompletions, but I'll say this almost ad nauseum. I don't care about the result of the play. I care about the process and what it looked like. Zach Wilson throwing in-breaking routes behind zone coverage. I say it time and time again. They ran one. Uh, they were in cover two with the Philadelphia Eagles. Kenny Yaboa was running a dig route. Zach Wilson looks to the right of the linebacker, tries to shift him from his spot, and then throws an absolute missile low to Kenny Yaboa. And looking at that, you might say, well, it's an inaccurate ball, though. It was low. He didn't put it on his receiver. That's because there's a safety in the middle of the field driving downhill. So Wilson made the decision to protect his receiver and the football, and it was a perfect throw. Kenny Eboa has to catch that. It was an awesome play. He's been really good at that already, so that wasn't so much progression as much as it was reaffirming what I've already seen. But against zone coverage, he's been great. It was more stuff against man that impressed me because he struggled a little bit beating man. We saw it against Denver. We've seen it against New England back in week two. So I think that was the biggest plus. But there were a ton of throws and, and lots of plays that I really liked. And as you said about the second half, and in particular third quarter, there was 70 seconds. And Mike LaFleur kind of said that the ball to Tevin Coleman was thrown a little hard. 
I don't agree with that, to be honest with you. Tevin Coleman turned his head. Zach Wilson threw the ball, but he didn't look at Zach Wilson. He didn't see he'd released it. So he was laid up with his hands. He's got to catch that football. There was nothing wrong with it. And that was the major reason why the Jets were off the field outside of the defense not being able to stop anyone. Luke, any other general observations you had about Zach Wilson from Sunday against the Eagles and anything else you noticed from the offense during that game? I just think he understood when to bail on plays. And that may sound elementary when Zach Wilson was so good at a BYU, but you see him panic when he drops his eyes. And that's what we saw a little bit against Houston. And even obviously prior to that, before he was injured, there was a play where he threw a missile to Elijah Moore where he wanted to throw the flat. And then he scrambled out and bang, just hit his target, decisive, knew exactly when and why to break the pocket. There was the one where he shrugged the sack when Morgan Moses got beaten. And then he threw one downfield to Elijah Moore, who dropped it on that occasion. I liked the way that when he bailed, he wasn't leaving the pocket early. He was doing so at the right time and then instantaneously knew who he was looking for and what he was looking for. And as you said a little bit earlier, Scott, quite often that was Elijah Moore, which is great to see. There was a couple of drops in there. Their chemistry wasn't perfect, but you can tell that's going to be a long-term huge partnership for the New York Jets, and I thought that was really cool. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk keys to the game, Luke. And the first one that is obvious to anybody that's watched New Orleans Saints for more than 10 seconds is they've got to find a way to stop Alvin Kamara. Now, Kamara hasn't been anywhere near as dynamic this year, and my theory about why is because other teams know that the Saints have nobody else that's a major threat to them, so they basically circle in on Kamara, and while Kamara's been okay, 3.6 yards per carry is certainly not what you're looking for from a player of Alvin Kamara's stature. So... 
when he comes back against the Jets, which it looks like is going to happen tomorrow, that to me has to be the number one priority for this defense. The Jets defense has had a lot of trouble stopping, well, let's be honest about it, just about anybody, but particularly running backs that can make a difference. Kamara can hurt them on screens. Kamara can hurt them running the ball. So that's got to be priority number one for Jeff Ulbrich and the Jets defense. It definitely does. There's not even a question about it. They don't have Michael Thomas. They don't have Adam Troutman, the tight end. They obviously don't have Drew Brees. I think what's hurt Kamara the most uh, in 2021 has been the lack of explosive passing plays because I think he's always been a good runner, but they haven't utilized him to his full potential running the football. It's always been the isolated wheel routes out of the backfield where you can get him one-on-one against a linebacker. Sean Payton is expert at creating favorable matchups. And I think it's been difficult to do that because, as you said, they're keying on Alvin Kamara, and that goes for the passing game too. And he's just not seeing the single coverage because people are saying, well, let's make uh, Trevor Simeon or Jameis Winston or now Taysom Hill beat us. And that's the biggest thing, kind of speaking generally about the Jets' defense. They need to say, I, Taysom Hill needs to beat us with his arm. That like, It's that simple. If he throws for four touchdowns, you know what? Then we just suck. But I don't want to see them just ground and pound us and Kamara and Taysom Hill using both of their explosive legs. That can't happen. The Jets need to make a decision to stack the box and say, you know what? Beat us with your quarterback who, as you said before we jumped on, he's a little Tim Tebow-ish and definitely prefers to run and catch the football rather than throw it. That's what the Jets need to do. And that starts with shutting down Kamara in the running game. Luke, you just hit on it. One of the keys to the game, without a doubt, is making Taysom Hill throw the ball because he's not good at throwing the ball, which in 2021 you would think is a problem for somebody playing the quarterback position, but apparently the Saints don't have any better options because of a combination of injuries and bad luck. Keep Taysom Hill in the pocket. Make him throw the football. Don't let him run. If you recall, his last game against the Dallas Cowboys, he ran for over 100 yards. As long as you can do that, it's going to make it very difficult for the Saints. Yeah, and I kind of alluded to this. The last couple of weeks, they've had, obviously, they missed Jalen Hurts last week, which was a little bit disappointing. It would have been nice to see him play, especially for Eagles fans. But they've had a couple of quarterbacks that can run and be mobile. Tyrod Taylor a couple of weeks ago, Gardner Minshew has a little bit of that in him. It's obviously not what Hertz would have brought, but they've been game planning for two weeks because they weren't expecting Minshew to play. So the Jets have been game planning for mobile quarterbacks for now three weeks. So they can't be any better prepared for Taysom Hill. You have to make him pass the football. They need to be disciplined with their pass rushing lanes. They need to contain him. That's the other thing. You can't let him scramble because it's so much easier to make plays outside of the pocket, but you also need to confuse him. And this comes back to Jeff Ulbrich, and I know if you listen to the podcast when I've been on before, every single third down this year, Scott, the Jets feel like they run man coverage. They run cover one. They show six men at the line of scrimmage. They usually send four or five, drop one back, and they're playing cover one man. And it's so easy to scheme against that with little slants and little rub routes. So number one, they're short, easy throws for Taysom Hill. And number two, he knows what to expect and where to look with the football. You need to do a better job confusing him, throw more zone, ask him to throw the ball down the field where, let's be honest, he throws a wobbly football, looks more like Blake Bortles than it does Drew Brees. So make him throw, keep him in the pocket. And I think the New York Jets just need to do a better job being disciplined and forcing the Eagles' hand and make them pass the football, make Taysom Hill beat you. That's going to be really what Oldbrick and Salah should be preaching all week long. We heard from Alex Salas on this show on Know Your Foe Thursday that the Saints offensive line is a mess. Andrus Pete out for the year. 
Ryan Ramchek and Taron Armstead, we're not even sure if they're going to play, and if they do, they are banged up beyond belief. The Jets have got to find a way to take advantage of this. Now, we know that their edge rush has been very weak, and a big part of the reason for that is their two top edge rushers, Carl Lawson and Bryce Huff. In the case of Lawson, he's been gone the whole season. In the case of Huff, he's missed a significant portion of the season. Neither one of them is going to play. You do still have those interior pass rushers, though. They've got to find a way to get some heat on Taysom Hill, keep him in the pocket, but also make him uncomfortable because with that Saints offensive line in the poor shape that it's in, that is an incredible advantage that the Jets cannot afford to waste. Yeah, and maybe it's blitzing a little bit more. I know that can make you vulnerable because if the blitz doesn't get home, then Taysom Hill can escape and you have the running lanes and it's more chaotic and you want to avoid that, but... The edge has been just nothing for the Jets. Outside of John Franklin Myers when he's playing on the outside, there's been no edge pressure. They need Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers, and hopefully Sheldon Rankins is healthy. They need those three guys to be the pillars, and then they need to bring blitzes from guys like CJ Mosley and Gerard Davis and Quincy Williams, those guys who have burst and explosion and can actually match the lateral movement and the speed of Taysom Hill once you get him in the backfield in these scrambling situations. So they, but you're right. Even if I don't want to sit here next week and say, oh, Quinn Williams was double teamed every single snap because that's how it's going to be. But he needs to find a way to have five to six disruptive plays, impact plays on tape because you know they're going to key in on him. He's one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. It's just about finding a way to be impactful, using more stunts and twists and finding ways to isolate him and Sheldon Rankins. They work very well off one another. So I'd expect a little bit more of that this week against the Saints because they've got an inexperienced line when it comes to playing together. And that's where stunts and twists and communication are so important. So I think you could see a little bit more than that from usual uh, than usual from, um, from Sulla and from Ulbrich as well. Luke, offensively, with Zach Wilson back in the lineup, the offense has looked its best when the running game was able to do something. Now, in Zach Wilson's return, he didn't do all that well, but the running game was able to pick up the slack. They had their best overall rushing performance of the season. We don't know exactly what's going to happen in this game. We do know that against the Eagles, Tevin Coleman ran very, very well. He may or may not be available for this one. Jets are thin at running back. We know Michael Carter is not going to be back until at least next week. So it's anybody's guess as to what happens here. Ty Johnson may end up being the lead back. Austin Walter got called up to the main roster, so maybe he gets some carries. But if the Jets can effectively run the football and set things up to be easier for Zach Wilson, that should be an enormous advantage for the Jets because, as we've seen, when the Jets don't have to rely solely on Zach Wilson in the passing game, they're much more successful. That's the way the LaFleur offense has been designed to run, and if it's going to work, they're going to have to get something going on the ground. Yeah, I think what you finished with there, Scott, was the key. This LaFleur offense loves and runs through the outside running game, outside zone, wide zone, and then play action passing. And speaking back to Zach for a second, I thought he was much better off of play action, not just his mechanics of handoffs and extension and things like that, but just with finding his eyes and when he snaps head around after having his back to the defense, locating his read and then being smart with the football. But all of that starts with the running game. And the good thing for the Jets is that LDT, I'm not sure if he plays either, but he, McGovern, AVT, uh, even George Fant, they've been really good in the run game. Uh, there's been some nice lanes. I'm not sure who's going to take advantage of those because Coleman's 50-50 with the concussion himself. 
Obviously, Michael Carter's not there, as you mentioned, but if you have an offensive line that can move people and create space, you know that it doesn't really matter who the running back is. They can do a job to some extent. And I think that's kind of where football's landed the last 10 years. Running back's the most replaceable position. So the key is going to be the run blocking for the Jets, moving people, their double teams and combo blocks being effective, uh, and then giving giving a guy like Walter or Ty Johnson the edge. Because when we've run it successfully, the best has been running outside the tackle uh, to the left-hand side of our formation, so towards George Fant and Elijah Vera Tucker. I'd expect to see a fair bit of that. I think they're going to run the ball, try and establish that, make Zach's job easier, both with play action and staying in second and short and manageable rather than getting in these third and long. So I'd expect a heavy dose, but at the same time, if it doesn't work early, I'd like to see Lafleur pass the ball on first down, a little like he did with Mike White when he was in the lineup. Luke, we talked earlier about how Zach Wilson had strong command, he was poised, and how he was efficient running the offense against the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to need to see more of that against the Saints. He's going to have to make quick, smart decisions because with the Saints, they've had trouble rushing the passer. But as you said, we don't know what's going on with LDT, whether or not he's going to play. Morgan Moses has been playing banged up pretty much for the last couple of weeks. He's done his best, but you've seen it from time to time where he's really wilted. And you look at the Saints' strengths, and one of them is that secondary, especially Marcus Williams at safety, who is due for a big contract this offseason, and Marshawn Lattimore. So Zach Wilson may not be forced into mistakes by a weak pass rush, although, as we said, because of the status of the Jets' offensive line, it's anyone's guess what happens there. But even if that Saints' pass rush fails to materialize, as it has for most of the season— They've got a good secondary that could trick Zach Wilson into making mistakes. If Wilson isn't tricked into making those mistakes and he's smart, the Jet offense should be able to operate at a reasonably high level, especially if, as we just said, they can get some production from the running game. The good news for the Jets is, even though we're a little banged up up front, the Saints, it hasn't been the strength of their defense this year. They're also struggling and a little bit banged up. But the concern for me is the Jets' weapons... or lack thereof, I suppose, against the Saints secondary. You kind of hit the nail on the head again. Elijah Moore, 50-50 to play, didn't practice Wednesday, uh, didn't practice Tuesday either, which is a concern for the Jets uh, when he's been such a go-to piece. You already have Corey Davis on the shelf. So now you're looking at more Braxton Berrios. Uh, Cole got activated from the uh, COVID-19 list earlier in the week. Uh, Denzel Mims may get an opportunity playing the X receiver role. Obviously, Jamison Crowder's been productive and can beat man coverage, but that word there is the key. The Saints don't play traditional man. They play more quarters, but as part of that, you get locked on the outside and it becomes almost man coverage with Lattimore and those guys on the outside. If it's Cole and Mims, can they beat man coverage? That's going to be, I think, the key to the Jets winning this football game because this is a tough position for Zach. I don't want to sit here and make excuses. Everyone knows my position on Zach Wilson, but he's playing without possibly running back one and two in Coleman and Carter. He may be without wide receiver one and two in Davis and Moore. Uh, You have Tyler Croft on the shelf. I'm not sure if Griffin's even that healthy. So this is a tough spot for a rookie quarterback against a really good secondary, but if he can perform well this week and they can put up points as a result of Zach Wilson's play, this is going to speak volumes about his growth. And I think it's exciting to see him put in that situation. Luke, any other key components to this matchup that we haven't mentioned yet that you think is worth talking about? 
I just want to see how the Jets secondary does this week. I want to see what happens at the second cornerback spot. Brandon Eccles was activated from the IR. I'm not sure if he's going to play or not. I'd love to see that because we've really struggled, whether it be Isaiah Dunn or Pinnock or whoever's replaced him has really not done a great job. So I want to see Bryce Hall have another good game. I thought he was pretty good last week. Had his 10th pass breakup of the season in just 12 games. Michael Carter, the second, has been a little up and down the last couple of weeks. So I know he got a head injury as well, but I want to see if those guys can play at a good level and shut down a second, uh, sorry, a wide receiver group that they actually should shut down because there's not a lot of talent there. So I just want to see them excel because it's been a, a poor couple of weeks for some of those guys. And I want to see them come up against a Saints unit that is fairly empty when it comes to NFL talent. And I want to see them put up a strong performance despite Old Brick and Suller and the play calling on the defense. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Thanks so much for coming on and talking some film and keys to the game with me. Really appreciate it. Check out everything that Luke is doing on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. And Luke, you've got that Zach Wilson film review up. What else is going to be coming soon on the channel? Uh, you're going to see a little bit of Aiden Hutchinson and some more college stuff coming. Uh, I'll have a video of the um, Michigan Edge, someone who definitely is an option for the Jets, especially if either them themselves or Seattle continues to lose. He's going to be a top five pick when it comes to April in the draft. Uh, you can you can see a little breakdown I'll do of him and talk about the fit uh, and how the Jets are really craving edge talent. Uh, then I'll have a predictions video looking at some you know, different bets and things like that on the YouTube channel. Uh, and then, as always, make sure you're also going across and supporting at T Public. Um, that's T-E-E Public. We've got some awesome merch up there. My partner, Alex, was involved in that. We've got uh, Zach the Ripper shirts, Zach Says Go Long, Play Like a Jet logo. We talked about Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers. We have a really cool shirt about them. I know JFM kind of pushed that design on Twitter last week, which was cool. So make sure you check them out. Head over to T Public uh, and just keep supporting us on YouTube uh, at T Public and also here with the podcast. Make sure that you check out all of Luke's work on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't already. Take a look at our store at tpublic.com. That's T E E public.com. We've got the Bless You, Thank You, Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers shirt. The Zach Wilson, Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, hoodies, mugs, it's all there, tpublic.com, that's t-e-e-public.com, and make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. For the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.